So in the, the account, Jesus is on the cross and they say to him, you know, save yourself. It's what any ordinary person would do. If you are who you claim to be, you know, undo this. Save yourself. But he didn't save himself. And the reason he didn't was because he was there to save you and me. You know, this is Good Friday, and we contemplate so often at Christmas the incarnation, the coming into the world as a human being and taking on flesh and all of that. But the incarnation, this becoming human, um, has such great impact tonight as well on Good Friday. Let, think about the impact of the incarnation on human history. It's the idea that God the Son, pre-existing, eternal, in perfect fellowship uh, with the Father, condescends. And in time, breaks into time, and becomes one of us by being born into history, just like you or me. He lets go of that, you know, to do this. And uh, say it this way, heaven and status he abandoned so that humanity and humility he could embrace. He became one of us to live the life we live, but only the right way. And that took him to the cross. It's Good Friday. So as we think about it, I, I want to think about uh, together what Ephesians 1.7 says about the impact that Jesus going to the cross had on us. And in that one verse, it, it, it gives us meaning and you know, uh, a, a, the ability to take in what Jesus was doing in that moment when people said, hey, you know, if you are who you claim to be, you, you can save yourself, and the implication would be that he would save himself, and he didn't do that. Now, why? Ephesians 1.7 says, In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Again, in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. You see in this one verse what we get in Christ and how we get it. What we get and how we get it. What we get, we get two things. We get redemption and forgiveness. And Paul puts those two things together, redemption and forgiveness. Redemption was a common occurrence then. He's taking something that they would have seen, and he's saying, what you see every day, there's an aspect of this that is your salvation. Uh, 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 on a slave market, somebody could be up for auction, a human being, and that person could be bought, be redeemed. And what Paul is saying is, your salvation is a redemptive act. Somehow, you got enslaved and owned, and Jesus bought you. You were redeemed. In Christ, we have redemption. That's one. He pairs that with forgiveness. You know what forgiveness means. I hope you know what forgiveness means. The most miserable of people are those who haven't tasted it and they haven't granted it. But forgiveness means to be uh, positioned so that 
your sins won't be counted against you because that other party somehow takes them out of the way. It usually means what they do is they absorb it. It comes with a cost. Somebody has to pay it. And uh, rather than you paying it, you know, it's this, this, this idea that you sinned and so it owned you and it condemned you and it defined you. Uh, you're set free. Jesus says this word here for, for, uh, for forgiveness also means to be set at liberty. And Jesus used this exact same word when he announced his mission in Matthew 4. He said, I'm freeing the captives. I'm freeing the oppressed. That's forgiveness, right? So in Christ, you've been forgiven, and that means you've been set free. You were on the market, and you were bought and set free. It's like good news, right? You've, you've been bought and set free. It's what you get, redemption and forgiveness. How do you get it? Well, it's a mess, really, you know. Things like that don't happen easily. And again, two things, and he puts them together, blood and grace. How do you get redemption and, and forgiveness? How, how is it that you're bought and set free? This is blood and grace. He says about redemption, in Christ we have redemption through his blood, right? Your, your redemption, though, unlike an old slave market in ancient times, didn't just get done with some Benjamins. Like the idea that it wasn't some decision without cost. It was a decision with cost, and that cost wasn't just some money, and that cost wasn't just some stuff. The cost of your redemption was blood. It was the cross. The cross tells you two things about you. You have to hang in there with me on this. One thing that the cross says about you is that you're not that good of a person. Otherwise, you know, Jesus wouldn't need to die to save you from your sins. Right? The cost of uh, redeeming you wouldn't be that high. It wouldn't come at such a high cost. But it also says this. You couldn't be more loved. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have chosen to die for your sins to save you from them. And he chose to do that. It says to his disciples, Listen, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. So when they're mocking him and they're saying, you know, hey, if you can, if you got the ability, and obviously you would, if, if you did, you would save yourself. He chose not to do that because he was doing something else. He was too preoccupied with the mission of you and me to do that. You couldn't be more loved. So the cross tells you you're thoroughly criticized and you're thoroughly affirmed. You're thoroughly criticized in that you're so far gone it takes the blood of Jesus to bring you back and to redeem you. And you're so thoroughly loved, you're so affirmed, God loves you and Jesus laid down his life so that you wouldn't be lost forever. So blood, how'd you get it? Blood, blood and grace, he says. He says, we know his forgiveness according to the riches of his grace. He means that God had such a mindset toward you that it was, that it was governed. He, he fixed his mindset of grace in terms of how he treated you. And by grace, you know, we, we say, and it's a, it's a good short definition a lot, that what grace is is unearned favor. But what it means if you, if you just sort of like relax your brain a little bit and say, okay, well, what, what does that mean like 
you know, the point of contact between me and God, between God and me, is that what God decided to do was treat you in a way that you didn't deserve to treat you better than that. That what God decided to do, grace is getting treated well, even though you don't deserve it and you didn't earn it, you're not worthy of it, it's not due, it's just free. The, the, the person just does it. It's almost inexplicable. The person should hate you or get you back or, or hold what you've done against you, but he doesn't do that. It's not like he lies about what you did. You know, it's still wrong. That's acknowledged and all that. He just absorbs the wrong and pays the cost himself and receives you anyway. That's grace. Right? If you extend grace to somebody and if you forgive them, somebody absorbs the wrong. And if, you, if, <laughs> if you're the extender of grace, you're the absorber of wrong. And that was the cross. And he says, God fixed his mind like you were forgiven according to the riches of his grace. What a, what a cool way to describe it. Not just that God was gracious, but that he's rich in grace. In other words, um, he doesn't lack the capacity to address the weirdest and worst parts of you. Right? He's that good. Like, he, like it's not in terms of he's not straining out of a limited reservoir to do this. When it comes to God's grace, he's just, he's, it's just full of riches. He goes on to say in the same place, the riches of his grace, this he lavished upon us. He didn't hold it back. He treats you, treats you in a way that you don't deserve. Um, you didn't earn it. He just gives it to you. And he lavishes it upon you. That's where your forgiveness so what do you get in Christ? What, what did he do on Good Friday? Redemption and forgiveness. You were, if you're a believer, you put your hope in him, you were bought and set free. And uh, it took blood and grace to do it. Now, what we get out of this is uh, there's a symbol, right? It's the table. So when Jesus lays down his life and he stands in our place, what he's doing is he's absorbing the wrong, what stands between us and God. And the, the, the table is a picture of this. It's the idea that now you, you were disenfranchised before, you were put out before because of your sin. It right, created this rift between you and God and it was on you and there wasn't anything you could do about it but out of his grace he brought you through the blood of Jesus so that you could be redeemed so that you could come to his table you know you, you bring people to your table that you're in fellowship with one of the cool things about the communion table as a concept right is we can think all the way back to Passover so it looks back on a meal and the Bible says that Jesus is our Passover lamb. Right? So that the, the angel of death would pass over, see the blood of the lamb, and we wouldn't receive the judgment of God. This supper, though it's not, it's not quite everything, we still anticipate more. He says, uh, you know, until I come, do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. In other words, there's a, there's a coming, there's another one, and there's the marriage supper of the lamb. It looks ahead to that. Or the idea that we'll be in fellowship with God himself, be at his table. But in the meantime, 
we take the Lord's Supper. Jesus himself instituted it. That's why we call it the Lord's Supper. It's his. And uh, he told us um, to do it to remember him. Remember who I am and what I've done so that uh, you keep this front and center in your minds. If there's something about Jesus coming and who he is and what he's done and, and what he did on that cross that we're supposed to keep front and center in our minds all the time. So he said, do this, do it as often as you eat of it and drink of it and so forth. Do it in remembrance of me. So that's what we're going to do tonight together is we're going to put who Jesus is front and center in our minds. Now, what he did, there are two elements in communion. And if you'll notice, and, and I should say this, this is for people who believe in Jesus and who have put their trust in Jesus. If you haven't done that yet, we're glad you're here and you're welcome. But we would just ask that you would observe at this point. Invite you to believe in Jesus. But in these two elements, the first is the bread. And you'll notice it's at the the top of the communion cup. Uh, The bread. You know, say that loosely. And it represents the body of Jesus. So on that night, whenever they were observing a Passover together, Jesus said, this is my body. Take, eat, this is my body. And what I want you to remember is that Jesus took my place. This is my body. Jesus took my place. And then with the wine... So it represents his blood. And with that, I want you to remember that Jesus accomplished my forgiveness. So he took my place, and by his blood, he accomplished my forgiveness. He said when he was with them, he said, drink, uh, drink, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so there are two sides tonight. We grieve. We grieve our sin. And we turn in gratitude to God because he was so gracious through Jesus to forgive them. And so let's pray and then we'll celebrate him in song, okay? Father, thank you so much that we have fellowship with you. Thank you that um, we have faith Uh, tonight that you're in our midst that you're present and that you're with us and that you you move and work among your people and it's only possible through Jesus it's in him we have redemption though we were tyrannized by our sin we were bought by Jesus and it's in him we have forgiveness though there's a record of debt that stands against us this was nailed to the cross he paid the price for it and so that by his blood, and by your grace, we come to you. We're, we share your table, and we're in fellowship with you. And our sins are gone, and the God who made us, for whom we were made, we have fellowship with him, and we can walk with you once again. We celebrate you, and we celebrate Jesus, the one who came for us and laid down his life for us. And we praise you. It's in his name we pray. Amen.